Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. By some of the stuff that's been going on, I have been, in a good way, you know? Sometimes we get moved to discouragement. Sometimes we get moved towards encouragement, being full of courage that God can do amazing things, right? We never want to be moved to discouragement, but to courage, because he is the lion of the tribe of, tribe of Judah. Amen? Hebrews chapter 13 says, Remember the prisoners as though you were in prison with them. Remember those who are mistreated as though you yourself are suffering bodily harm. We can't put ourselves in the shoes of everything bad in the world. It's absolutely impossible. But can we remember our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan this morning? You know, we're here having church, and it's fantastic, and it's wonderful, and worship, and fellowship, and Sunday school, and it's impactful, and it's wonderful, and it's encouraging. But imagine we're there this morning. Imagine having to meet and never even been able to raise your voice. Mouthing the words to worship songs because you're afraid of a knock on the door and losing your life. No, I'm not exaggerating. Like, I, I can't even properly paint the picture for you this morning. Those who are found with Bible apps are losing their lives this morning in Afghanistan. They're dragging people out of churches and killing them in the streets. Our brothers and sisters. We talked about it in Sunday school this morning. You, you know why there's such an attack on our nation? Because of you. Because America still has salt and light. Because we're still the godliest nation on the face of the planet. Because it's still a church that hasn't surrendered. Like church, I'm convinced it's time to lay aside anything and everything. The pastor gave us a challenge. Hey, what is worldly music anyway? I mean, what is television anyway? What is all the lures of the world anyway? Like, what do they do in comparison to the majesty of our king? The prayers of a righteous man avails much. It's time for the church to become righteous again and turn back to a Lord and Savior and intercede for our brothers and sisters. Imagine then this morning in a closed room Six or eight people, at most, singing, I got the joy of the Lord. Yeah. Looking at their kids saying, I'll see you on the other side of eternity. If they come for us today, don't worry. Don't ever lose hope. We're living for eternity somewhere else. And maybe that's heavy this morning, but it's also reality. Can we pray? Father, we sure do love you. You are a champion. You came to rescue. And Father, we release angels right now in Afghanistan for protection. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. Not only that they would have courage, but Father, they would have a super 
supernatural hand of protection over them, over their churches, over their families. May the gospel go out even stronger than it ever has been in Jesus' name. May revival flow through the streets as it flows through the streets of America and Gardendale. And Father, start with us. Start with Seven Mile. We give our entire lives to you, God. Have our church, have our services, have our families and our homes. Because at the end of the day, Father, it all belongs to you anyway. God, thank you for Seven Mile, all my brothers and sisters. Father, thank you for Afghanistan and all of our brothers and sisters. Use us for your glory and for the benefit of others. In Jesus' name, amen. I know that's heavy, but with a smile, say hello to two or three people around you. Amen. Well, good morning. Now, that's like a whole bunch of teenage boys just in a perfect straight line up there. I notice there's no girls up there. Y'all ain't good looking enough, that's why. <laughs> so we've had a few problems with our uh, internet lately. We've been, you know, losing connection, so hopefully we've got that fixed this week. I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a toss-up. It's either losing internet connection or Facebook kicks us off because they don't like something that I say. Like when I say that our current administra administration is absolutely worthless. I mean worthless. And they have a lot of lives to answer for. So we probably already got kicked off already. But it, you know what Marker's talking about, and especially if you've served, especially if you've served, it, it'll make you angry. It can make you angry. It can make you wake up in the middle of the night and be angry and be angry all day and just be mad. Um, which leads me to um, the sermon today is talking about that. Just anger in general and unforgiveness, bitterness and things of that nature. And um, you can get full of it. You can get full of it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're full of it. <laughs> what are you full of? Everybody's full of something. Hopefully, whatever we're full of when we leave today, we'll, we'll be full of the right thing. Amen. Or at least headed in that direction. Um, none of us are perfect, but we, we certainly need to be striving to grow and to get better. Amen. So... Let me open up my Bible here. I've got some scriptures like like always for us to put on the screen here, but I want to back up just a little bit and start um, start reading a little um, before we pull it up on the screen here. So in um, first Timothy second Timothy actually. In 2 Timothy, in the fourth chapter. So this is, this is Apostle Paul, and he's, he's writing this letter. And he's in prison, and he's entering the uh, end of his life here. 
In fact, um, this is, he dies shortly after this. This is when Rome, he's in Rome, he's in, he's in prison, and Emperor Nero, which is a, a, an evil man who is, uh, you know, Christians were targets for him. You can study, man, he did some awful, cruel, terrible, wicked, terrible things. And in uh, 67 AD, Paul is beheaded. Um, but this is the letter he's writing here. And let me see, I want to start in the fourth, second Timothy, the fourth chapter. I'll just start in the first verse. And he's writing here, and he says, I charge you therefore before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And I was just having a conversation with somebody in my driveway yesterday about a lot of, uh, you know, some popular pastors. It goes on a lot. You just don't know about it unless they're on television or they're popular and they have a name. But they have turned away from the truth and they don't preach the whole truth. They just preach what they want people to hear. What's going to bring in the most people and perhaps get the most money tossed into the bucket. Well, I'll, I'll always preach the truth whether it upsets people or not. Amen. He says, But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do your work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now, keep in mind, he's in prison. He's writing to Timothy. And he's letting him know what's going on. He's, he's encouraging him to keep faith and to keep going and stay at it and persecution. Yeah, it's coming and this is, you know, he's, he's trying to, he's explaining to him what he sees. So for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. And this is a very popular portion of scripture right here, the seventh verse. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now Paul's writing that. This is, this is it. Right after this, he's, he's beheaded shortly after this. He said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not have, uh, not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, I think I gave her starting in the ninth verse. He says, Be diligent to come to me quickly. And he's telling him, Come to me quickly. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia, now, notice that he says, He has forsaken me, having loved this present world. And that's important. Remember that. He, that. He's abandoned. He's forsaken. Only Luke is with me. Get Martin, bring him with you, for he is useful to me in ministry. And uh, Tychus, 
I don't even know. You know, why can't they just name people like normal stuff? That Bob. Tichicus. Well, thank you. Thank you. Tichicus. That's, I should have named one of the boys that. And Tichicus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left uh, with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. The parchments. All right, here we go. Alexander the coppersmith, and he's no relation to me. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must be aware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. You remember talking about they left, they departed, they forsook him. His first charge, in other words, he's at court, he's standing in trial, he's looking around. All the people that had been with him, they're not there anymore. He's all by himself. Kind of reminds you of somebody else, doesn't it? When Jesus was on the cross, where was everybody? There wasn't a whole lot around, except the ones putting him on the cross. And the ones that said that we'll be with you until the end, denied even knowing him. But no one stood with me. They all forsook me. But notice here it says, may it not be charged against them. In other words, don't hold it against them. They all forsook me. They abandoned me and they left me all by myself and I'm here at court of trial and nobody stood with me. All my friends left me. But don't, don't hold it against them. Don't, don't, don't charge it against them. He says, But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be prepared fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. That's one thing Nero would do. Those big Colise- that big Colosseum, you know that they would take Christians and let them run around in there, let lions chase them and maul them and kill them and eat them while everybody watched like it was the Super Bowl. Who cares about the Super Bowl? Like it was a national championship. That's what they did. That was fun to them. Sick, huh? And they, make, they made torches too out of humans, wrap them up, soak them in oil, and light them up. That's how they would see at night. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and uh, preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So, don't you look here. At, this, is, this is Paul's own, he's own trial um, for doing the right thing. For, for being a believer and being a follower. He's persecuted, he's on trial, and he's ultimately beheaded for why? For doing the right thing. For keeping his faith. For fighting the good fight of faith. Like Mark said this morning, some people were probably being drugged out of their homes and right now, as we speak, perhaps. And um, it's the same thing happened to Paul. But I want you to look at Paul's attitude here. There's a lot of reasons for him to be mad. First of all, I'm being persecuted. I'm being thrown in prison. And I'm being treated this way because I'm doing the right thing. I mean, where's God? He can get you angry at God. 
But the Word of God tells us if you are going to be a follower of Christ, that there are going to be sufferings, you are going to be persecuted, this world is going to persecute you. Absolutely. But just why he also says that this life is nothing but a vapor and a mist, and it's over and done pretty quick compared to all of eternity. There is something else. And it's called heaven. And there's something else called hell too. And that's, we're all trying to strive to, to get to heaven. Amen? So he's on trial for that. And, and all of them forsook him. Have you ever had any friends that you did something for or family or anybody? And then when you needed them, they weren't around. And what do we say? After all I did for you, and you can't even do this one thing for me, or you can't even help me, where are you at? After all I did for you. And then we have a pity party. Feel sorry for ourselves. Because I was there for them, but they weren't there for me. But Paul, his attitude is totally different. He says, don't charge them. Don't even charge them. I forgive them. That's, that's easier said than done, eh? Don't charge them. Forgiveness. And how many people go around every day Angry and mad and bitter and in them forgiveness. There's people in this room right here. There's people looking at it right now on YouTube or Facebook or whatever we're streaming on. That they're mad at somebody. They're mad at something, some situation. They're bitter about something. They're in some type of unforgiveness. They lay in the bed and they wake up at night and they're thinking about it and it ruins their sleep, makes you mad. It does. I've lived that life. I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm speaking from experience here. I had such unforgiveness. I had a list of paper. One time I finally said, that's it. Done with it. Done with it. I wrote down everybody that owed me money, that had stolen from me or got loans and never paid me back or whatever it was. Time's up. It's been years. And I made a list of every name on there. And I made my mind up. I'm going to go to them. I'm going to knock on the door of the house. And when they come out, there's one of about three things are going to happen. Number one, hopefully I'll get my money. If that don't happen, either they're going to get whooped or I am. I had my mind made up on that. That's what I was going to do. And I meant it. And I had no intentions of getting whooped. I can tell you. I was going to go in to win. But I was getting near the end because shortly after that, I surrendered my life to Christ. And what's funny is um, all the, the, the unforgiveness I had towards those people and bitterness just went away. Some of them quicker than others. But over a little period of time, it went away. And I remember taking that piece of paper and I just wadded it up and crunched it up. And you know how you throw it in the garbage can like you're shooting basketball? And I just shot it over there in the garbage can and I just said... I forgive them. They don't owe me anything. And when you start thinking about what all you've been forgiven for, and when you read scriptures that says you'll be forgiven in the same way that you forgive, that'll wake you up, won't it? I don't want God to forgive me in the same way I was going to forgive them because I didn't want him to knock on my door and say, hey, somebody should get whooped. That's, that's, that's where I was at. So, you know, like Mark said about the challenge, and, and uh, we did have a challenge here recently about just just removing anything that's ungodly from your life. And a lot of people are growing, growing, and growing, and growing, and hearing lots of great things, and it's good. It's real good. But you're not going to grow spiritually uh, when you're full of 
anger and you're full of unforgiveness and bitterness and all these things. So you can't be full of both. It's like oil and water. They don't mix. You ever put oil and water in a bucket together? They don't mix. One's on top of the other. And when you're so mad, so bitter, and, and have so much hate and unforgiveness towards a person or a group of people or a whole lot of people, whatever it is. It could be a parent. It could be a brother, a sister, a friend, an ex-wife, ex-husband. It could be your current husband or wife, whatever it is. When you're so full of that, there's not room for anything else. That's why I say, what are you full of? Yeah, so you're not going to grow spiritually when you're, when you're full of that, when you're full of... Uh, uh, anger and all these things. You, you're just not. But he says, don't charge them. Don't charge them. That, that's, to me, that, that's, that's powerful to me. That you can be, your friend's forsaken, you're on trial, nobody's around, you've done everything that's right, you're being punished for what, doing what's right, and you still say, well, don't charge them. In the book of Acts, uh, Stephen is, is preaching, and you know what? The, the, the religious people are so angry and so mad at his preaching, the Word of God, preaching Jesus. It says, But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then he cried out with a loud voice. Then they cried out with a loud voice stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city, stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their uh, clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he said that, he fell asleep. And if you've got your Bible, you can look at the very next verse, which is the first verse of the next chapter. And it said, Paul consented. Actually, it says Saul consented. Say, well, who's Saul? It's not King Saul. It's not the one that David took the place of. But it's Saul is actually the Apostle Paul. His name was Saul here. And he actually consented to killing Christians, stoning them. Paul, the same guy that just wrote the letter that I just read to Timothy, that guy, the one that wrote the majority of the New Testament, yeah, him. That's before he's on the road to Damascus and he's blinded by the light. And then hopefully you know your Bible. That's, that's before that. There's hope for you. There's hope for me. He, he murdered Christians and he ends up being, has a greater revelation and understanding of, of grace probably than anybody else in the entirety of the Bible. Amen. But Stephen is drug out in the street and they're stoning him and his last, one of the last things he says is, don't charge him for this sin. Forgive him is what he's saying. And I like this too when he says this. And I'm backing up a few scriptures. He says, look, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And if you go reading Ephesians, it says that Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, that He's seated with God in heavenly places, and that you and I, that we're seated with Him in heavenly places. Amen? But right here it says Jesus is standing up. And how I see that is, it's like you're at the ball game and there's an awesome play that happens. Somebody scores a touchdown and you get out of your seat because you want to see it and clap and cheer and say, yeah, go whatever team it is. I see that Stephen has run the race and he's fought the good fight of faith all the way to death. They drag him outside and beat him in the head with rocks because he wouldn't quit saying Jesus. 
until he dies and he says, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne of God as if Jesus got up out of his seat and was saying, that a boy. I hope he gets out of his seat and stands up and says that to me when I'm taking my last breath. Amen. Stephen was a stoned by Saul and the other religious bunch. And who else does it remind you of being forsook and being stoned and, and not being stoned, but being killed and saying, um, saying, forgive them, forgive them. Somebody else I know of. Do you know who I'm talking about? Jesus, there you go. He's hanging on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. They don't know what they're doing. And I have to remind myself of that as well. Sometimes when people, uh, you know, are just so mean and just angry, you know, there's just hateful, mean people in this world. And there's, there's different ways you can look at people. You can just look at the anger and the meanness and the hatefulness coming from them, and it doesn't do anything but make you angry and mean and hateful and just give you an opportunity to get mad, if you will. But if you look at these people differently and realize they don't know what they're doing. Because if they knew the same Jesus that I knew, they wouldn't be doing that. There's no way they'd be doing that. Therefore, they don't know Him. And that's kind of sad. If somebody doesn't know Jesus, that's very sad. If somebody's fixing to put the gates of hell wide open when they take their last breath, that is extremely sad. It doesn't get any more sad than that. That's the saddest. That's the worst. You see people acting like this, you should... Your mind should go to thinking they don't know Jesus. They don't know what they're doing. If they knew the same Lord and Savior that I did and had the same love of God shed abroad in their heart, they wouldn't be acting like that. Because our battle is not against flesh and blood. And really, you know, if you think about people that's hurting you, hurting you, hurting you, say things that are hurting you, they're actually hurting themselves a whole lot more than they're hurting you. They're hurting themselves a whole lot more than they're hurting you. You keep hurting people, you look around, there's not anybody left around you to hurt anymore. You're old and alone and all by yourself. And people act out from their own, own pains and you just really never know. You know, you can be at a restaurant and just have a waitress or a waiter that's just a jerk. Just mean. That's what you think. You think, man, they're really being a jerk. Only tip I'm going to give you is say, hey, don't, sw don't swim in shark-infested waters. <laughs> I remember I was a kid and we were eating at a restaurant and we had a terrible waitress. And uh, I said something as a kid. I was like, you going to leave your a tip, Dad? And he said, yeah, I'll leave her a tip. I'm going to tell her not to swim in shark-infested waters. I never forgot that. But you know why people act out like that? Because there's, there's a root. There's a pain. There's something else that's going on that it makes you act like. You don't really know what's going on with people at their house and their homes and what kind of life they've lived or what they're living or how they've been raised or if their you know, spouse is sick or maybe their husband beats them right before they go to work. You just don't ever know what people are going through, but you can guarantee there's a root to it. But if you remind yourself that 
this scripture right here backs up what I'm saying. It's, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and against the rulers of darkness of this age and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. In other words, it's not the Holy Spirit that's causing them to act like that. It's not the leading of the Lord that's causing somebody to act like that. And when somebody's angry or uh, mean or hateful towards you, and then we turn around and we're hateful or show anger back towards them, now what's going on? In other words, it's not a spirit, it's not a fleshly fight. The Word of God tells us we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. There's something going on in the spiritual. In other words, there, there's a force that's driving this person to act like that. It's not the Holy Spirit. They're not Spirit-led. The Spirit doesn't lead you to be angry and mean and, and, and hateful towards people. It doesn't lead you to do that. So now, I'm going to turn around and act back the same way. Now what's going on? Now who's leading you? Who's leading us? <laughs> you stop and think about these things. Uh, that's why we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And not to repay evil with evil. And the Word of God tells us in Romans... Um, not to overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And did you not go back and add those two verses? Y'all remember last week when there was a couple verses left out and I thought it was her fault and then found out it was really my fault. You know, when we got out to the car to leave, we got her phone out and looked, and I just want to tell you it was 100% her fault. <laughs> she left it out. I just wanted to... You're aware of that. But you know what? I forgave her. I'm not angry. I'm not bitter. Okay, I'm kidding. Come on now. Romans, the 12th chapter, the 19th verse says, uh, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to, to my wrath, for it's written, the vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. I will repay. Who's he going to repay? Perhaps them and you. Because you do, you sow and you reap. So you sow things. There will be a harvest. Amen? Some people sow things, evil, whatever, hateful things to you. It's not up to you to repay anybody. It's not, it's not for you to do. That's not your job. It says, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and I will repay. Well, he'll also repay you. For whatever bad and the harm has been done to you, they'll repay you. he'll repay you even more than whatever it is that they stole from you or did to you. Amen? Oh, now you want to get it up there. Now you late now. Uh-uh. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Now, I do have the 21st, but see, they're following along with the 21st. Now, you got to put it back to where I'm controlling it. Now, 21st, I need the 21st. Come on, uh, there we go. Greg, can you do anything with him up there? Do, uh, What in the world? I mean, <laughs> I'm touching 21. 21. There we go. And I didn't even touch it. Now it's now my screen. Y'all messed. Something's going on. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's our job. Our job is not to avenge, or our job is not to pay them back. We have one job, and that's it. That's uh, to, to do what. Do good. 
Overcome evil with good. Our job is certainly not to do evil. Our job is to do good. And what happens when you do good? You overcome evil. That's what the Word of God tells us. Amen? In Galatians, the 6th chapter, the ninth verse, it says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are out of the household of faith. That's just re- putting emphasis on the fact that it's our job to do good. To do good, not to repay, but to always do good, as long as it depends on you to, be, to do good. And here also talking about being mindful of others. That means your mind needs to be full of what you can do for others. And I said it last week before you leave the house in the morning. That needs to be part of your prayer. Is the Lord... I want my mind to be full of what I can do for others. Put somebody in my path that I can help today. Whether with a word of an encouragement or maybe they need a few dollars or whatever it is, I want to be used for the kingdom of God today. Put somebody in my path. You can be at lunchroom at school instead of sitting there and look across at some guy at the table over there by himself and he has no friends, nobody wants to sit with him. You can get up from the cool kid table and walk over and sit down beside him and eat lunch. I did that when I was a senior. There was a kid that sat over there by himself every day. I don't know that he had any friends at all and he was a rough looking little fellow. And so I saw him over there and I picked my tray up and I went over there and sat beside him. You know that... Every football player that was around me, cheerleaders, all those people that I sat with, they all followed me over here. And here's this one guy sitting right in the middle of all us. Every day at lunch, we sat with him. That was my good deed for the whole year. Maybe the only thing good I did that year, I don't know. But I'm saying, that seems kind of small, but it's kind of a, kind of a big deal. You don't know how that guy's growing up at home and what he's going through. There's a reason he's sitting by himself. To be mindful of others. You know, you can't be uh, selfish. Can y'all make this thing work for me? What, I, what must I do? I'm clicking it. It don't do anything when I click it. I'm clicking the blank screen. Go, go fix that thing. Dang. Who am I going to beat today after church? I don't know. But when you're not mindful of other people and you're mindful of yourself, that means you're selfish. Selfish. I've never known a happy person that was selfish. I've never known a selfish, happy person. If you're selfish, you're not going to be happy. And we live uh, in an age where, you know, somebody owes me something. Entitled. I'm entitled to this. Are you talking about people that's been working for 15, 20 years and to their pay increases and then you know they learn and they, they're, they're learning more and so their pay is going along with their performance and then you got people that are young, right out of high school, right out of college and they walk out there and they think they should make what you make. I'm entitled to something. Why are you entitled? Why would we, everybody think they're entitled? You got to do the right thing to get it. Now this totally is, I've never even seen this look like this before. I don't know what y'all done. But I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go, I'm I'm not going to get any unforgiveness up here. (laughs) But the simplicity of Christian life 
It's found right here in Acts the 10th chapter and the 38th verse. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us... No, that's not, that's not Acts 10. What? Can you... Can you... I'm having to practice what I'm preaching for sure now. Dang. Anyway, Acts 10, 38. Here we go. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. But I want you to look at it. He went about doing good. He was anointed to do good. Now everybody's anointed to do different things. We all have a calling to do different things. But everybody's called to do this one thing which is going and doing good. Amen. Everybody. And being mindful of others. Amen. It's, it's, a, it's like I said, the simplicity of Christian life. Um, in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, in the 26th verse. <laughs> Be angry and do not sin. <laughs> yes. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Well, twenty seventh verse. <laughs> Be mad, do not sin. Be mad, do not sin. Yes, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Nor give place to the devil, because when you do get mad, and you get over into, guess what happens? You're giving place to the devil. You're giving him a foothold. And the next thing you know, guess what? You're doing circles. You're, you're like the children of Israel, doing circles. I mean, if you're angry, can you really be any good to anybody when you're mad? Is anything good ever come out of being angry? Just going around mad all the time. Is it a good life? Is it fun just being mad? Waking up in the middle of the night thinking about who did you wrong and just being mad? Does anything good ever come from it? I can go ahead and tell you the answer is no because I've lived it. I've been an angry, mad person, mean, wake up in the morning just looking for a fight because I was mad. Take it out on somebody that didn't even do anything to me. Come home, take it out on your wife and kids. They had no part of it. Just angry. Just mad. Nothing good ever comes from it. And then you come to church, you let it go, to only go out and do it again. And I, like I said, it's like the children of Israel doing circles out in the wilderness for 40 years. It's just a cycle. And you just keep going around and around and around in this cycle. It's like, have you ever seen a dog that's on the chain that somebody drove a stake in the ground, put him on a chain, and there's no dirt around in this big circle? Because that's all the chain he's got, and he's just doing a circle. That's why it's like when, you, when, you, when you're angry all the time. You're not going to go far. You're just going to go in a circle. You're just going to keep going in a circle. And you're not going to grow as a Christian. And you want the blessings of Abraham to be upon you. You want, all the, you want God's favor to be upon you. Well, it's not going to happen when you're angry and living in unforgiveness. It's just not. It's not scriptural. Don't give him a foothold. Don't hold on to it. Hold on to it and get full of anger. And like I said, it comes out several ways. And 
you can't talk about forgiveness and all these things without talking about Joseph and I. I'm not going to read the whole story to you. But Joseph is a young man and he has several brothers and his father shows him favoritism and he has this, his own little special coat. Dad took everybody else to Walmart got them all a coat. But he took Joseph to the gallery and he didn't pick out anything he wanted. So the rest of them were jealous. They didn't like it. They don't, they don't like it. They are showing favoritism to this one. And let me show you, when God's blessing you and the favor of God's upon you, guess what? People don't like it. Worldly people don't like it. They don't like it when you're blessed. You will be persecuted for it. And so he tells them about the dream he has, which is probably a little immature, but I think it was all in God's plan because if he hadn't told them, uh, then they wouldn't have got mad. They wouldn't have threw him in the pit. They wouldn't have got him out of the pit and sold him into slavery. So that's where he winds up. Is He's sold to a man named Potiphar who's a, a captain of the guard. He's, he's a wealthy man. He buys him a slave to take home somebody to have around his house. Now, problem is, Potiphar's wife took a liking to Joseph He's a good-looking fella. Potiphar's probably some ugly old dude. But you know what? It's not like he had to quarter. Go read your Bible. You didn't do that back in those days. Especially if you were somebody, you just said, I think I'll take her. Like David's on his roof and he sees Bathsheba and he goes, go get her. That's what happened. You didn't have a choice. And a lot of times your dad will make arrangements. He'd say, come work for me for seven years and I'll give you my daughter. Oh, you wanted the other daughter? Okay, work seven more years. Well, that's how they did things. So what I'm saying is the captain of the guard, a wealthy man, he's probably got a good-looking wife. So here's Joseph who has nothing but brothers, probably one of the only females he perhaps he's seen in his life has been his mama. Now he's, he's, he's sold into slavery and he winds up right here at this house with a good-looking woman who's interested in him. But he says no. He... he, he, he the integrity that he had, he, he maintained it. He kept it. Even if it cost him something. Even if it cost him an opportunity. Or even if it cost you money. Whatever it's going to cost. You know what? If you're going to maintain your integrity with God, you know what? It is going to cost you something. And it all costs. No matter what it costs, he maintained his integrity. And she didn't like it. And you know what? She lied and then had him thrown into prison. You know what? When you do maintain your integrity and you say, this is what my life stands for and I'm not going to give in to sin and just because you're miserable, I'm not going to jump on the miserable bus. I'm going to stay right over here and I'm going to fight the good fight of faith or ever how you want to look at it. When you say, I'm not going to compromise. I'm a Christian 24-7, not just on Sunday, but I'm not going to compromise. You know what? People will hate you for it. They will hate you for it. And she lied and then he ends up in prison and then they have the dreams and he interprets the dreams and he says, here's what's going to happen and he helps them out. He gets, uh, they get out of prison. One of them gets out of prison. One of them gets killed. The one that gets out of prison, he says, don't forget me. And you know what? He forgot him for a while. And that goes back to being forsook. I was there when you needed me, but now I need you. Where are you at? Anyway, long story short, Joseph ends up at the right hand of Pharaoh in charge of the whole land. And then here comes his brothers, who the ones who sold him. And man, boy, they're scared. They're really scared. He said, don't be in fear. It's okay. Uh, your plan, you think it was your plan to do what you did, but the reality is it was actually God's plan. That's what God did this. 
You just, that one story alone is like, wow. I mean, that's how we're supposed to live. He remained, he, 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 his, he didn't compromise and his re- integrity remained throughout the whole process. And he trusted in the Lord and said the Lord's hand and favor was on him through the whole thing. And you see where it happens at the end? Amen. The same thing happened for you and me. God's no respecter of persons. Amen. You see people act out in all kinds of different ways. They can be hurt and be in unforgiveness and just have a, a bitter root of something that's happened in their life or that's currently happening. And like I said, the way I look at it now is in a way different than the way I used to look at it. If you were a jerk to me, I'd be a jerk back. If you said something I didn't like, I'm liable to say something you don't like. But now I look at people entirely different. I mean, I'm not going to say there's not an opportunity that presents itself every now and then to get into anger, but the Bible says to anger and to sin not. Not to let the sun go down on your wrath. So what happens when you get angry early in the morning? Well, you've got all day to take care of business before you go to bed. But what happens when you get angry right before bedtime? I mean, you've only got about 30 minutes to take care of this before you go to bed. You know when you go to sleep, that's actually the beginning of your day. That's not the end of your day. We look at it like it's the end of the day, but when you go to sleep and you go rest in the evening, what your Bible, if you study it and look at it, the evening was actually the beginning of the day. You started your day with rest. Well, You can't rest when you're angry. You know when you get mad and you're in the bed and you're mad at your wife or you're mad at your husband and you're not going to touch them? You're on your side, I'm on my side. We're not going to talk. But you want to so bad because you just want to make things right. And you know you'll sleep a lot better. But you're hard-headed. So I'll just stay on my side and you stay on your side. You got your cover, I got my cover. Don't touch me. (laughs) I've done those things. But if you'll just go ahead and roll on over there and just say, I'm sorry, you'll sleep a lot better. And she'll share the cover with you. Or you can just lay over there cold, miserable all night. In Matthew, the fifth chapter, and the tenth verse, (laughs) Matthew 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward. Now that's hard to right there, just to stop right there for a minute to wrap your mind around. So when they're cruel to me and mean to me and they persecute you, I'm supposed to rejoice. It's like, like that, that, hard for that to register, isn't it? That's what the Word of God says. To be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were sitting before you just like I was talking about Jesus he was persecuted amen and he says it twice I don't even know why I'm even touching this thing it's not doing anything so anyway it's making me feel better 
But he says it, he says it two times, which tells us it's, it's, it's important that we understand this. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You know, when you're, when you're angry and you're mad and you're in unforgiveness all the time, you know what you're good for? Nothing. You've lost your flavor. You've lost your saltiness. You're not any good to go out into the world when you're all mad and angry and living in unforgiveness. I've lived that life. I can tell you, it's good for nothing. You've lost your flavor. And we're called to be salt and light. Next verse. You're the light of the world, and a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We're called to be salt, we're called to be light. We're called to go out into the world and be salt and to be light, not to hide it under. You know, the, what, what's the little Bible thing we'd sing when we were kids? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Yeah. Not going to let Satan hit out. I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. But you don't have much of a light if Satan can just hit out anyway. <laughs> no, you don't. Satan's not going to hit out. You know, he can't hit out. You're the only one that can hit out. You can get all angry and get mad. In front. He can't do it. He can't do it. All he can do is put an opportunity in front of you for you to do it. He can't make you mad. He can put an opportunity in front of you for you to get mad. He can't get you in unforgiveness. He can put an opportunity in front of you for you to get in unforgiveness. And let me tell you, opportunities are going to come every single week of your life. I don't care if you're the pastor of the church or if you just got saved last week. Opportunities still come. It's just what you do with it when it gets there. So I can't help the way I feel. No, you can't help the way you feel, but you can help with what you do and what you say. You are in control of that. I mean, feelings come. You can feel a certain way. You can, you, you can have these feelings, but what you do and what you say, but you're in control of that. Amen. You're in control right now if you're paying attention or not, if you're listening or not, if you're sleeping or not. When you leave here, you're in control if you're going to apply this message to your life or not. You can get up and come to church every single Sunday your whole entire life and still be mad and still be angry and still be living in unforgiveness. Coming to church doesn't, doesn't that mean... That, what I'm saying is there's Christians that are angry. You know how I know? I was a Christian. I was somebody that claimed to be a Christian. I came to church more Sundays than not, and I was mad. Oh, I was mad. I was one of the maddest people I knew. I was mad. I was mad at a whole, whole lot of people. Just mad. Where are we at? Where, where, I read all of that, so um, we'll just close right here. Right? This will be my last scripture, and everybody's like, hey, man. Say, I'm going to try to help you all so you all won't get any unforgiveness for me preaching too long today. Now therefore take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams. Go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering. And my servant Job shall pray for you. For I will accept him 
lest I deal with you according to your folly. Because you have not spoken of me what is right and my servant Job has. Now here's what it's saying in the Old Testament. Take your sacrifices up there. You're not going to pray, but my servant Job's going to pray. Think about all that Job's been through. Goodness. Lost his entire family, lost everybody except his wife, and his wife said, curse God and die. Won't you just curse God and die? He's covered with bowls. His, his friends are no support to him. His only thing he gets out of his wife is curse God and die. Won't you just go ahead and curse God and die? I'm sure Job's thinking, God, I mean, come on now. You took all, I mean, every, I've lost everything. You couldn't have just taken her too? Jeez. She's a sweetie, wasn't she? So Eliphaz, there's another one of those names, the Timonite, and Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Mammothite, went and did as the Lord commanded them, for the Lord had accepted Job. Basically they're saying, take these animals, have them sacrifice. Job's going to pray for you. Job's going to pray that you won't receive the reward that you deserve for all your sin and for all your folly and the things that you've said, the things that you've done. What's the next scripture? That's it. That's all we got. All right, well, well, good. One last thing that's going to get messed up on there. Here we go. I knew there was one more. I thought I was going to break my Bible out. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. The same friends... They're there. The same friends who weren't there. In other words, they were there, and then they weren't. They were his buddies, but then all of a sudden now they've forsaken him. And then they haven't been speaking uh, good things. But Job, who was a righteous man and maintained his integrity through this whole process, says the Lord restored Job's losses when he did what? Prayed for those same people. Those friends that forsook him, like Paul was saying, his friends forsook him. Don't hold it against them. Like Stephen's being stoned, he said, don't hold it against them. And Jesus is hanging on the cross and said, forgive them for not, they don't know what they do. Job is restored all his losses. Indeed, the Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. Well, each and every one of us can, can apply that to our lives this morning right here, right now. Every day of the week, you can start today. And he, he, let me tell you, I'll make it more plain and more simple. Um, trying to focus on forgiving somebody and not being mad. I mean, you can grit your teeth, clench your fence. I'm not going to be mad. I'm not going to be mad. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to do it. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to lay this down at the feet of Jesus. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try so hard. I'm not going to be mad today. And you can fail miserably. You can come down here and say you're leaving at the altar. I'm leaving at the altar. And go home like that dog on the chain. Now you're mad again. You got a little slack. But all of a sudden it caught you by the throat. And you're just doing circles. And you're circling out there in the wilderness like the children of Israel did. And then you come back to church. Same thing again. Same thing again. Same thing again. And it's just a cycle. A cycle of defeat. And you can't grow. Satan knows what makes you mad. There's a thing called familiar spirit. Knows what gets you goat. Knows what makes you mad. Knows what makes you angry. Knows these things. It's going to get put in front of your face. 
It's going to get put in front of your face. It may just be the name. Oh, Bob. You might not like a guy named Bob. You can tell you, you be driving down the road, there's going to be uh, lawn service called Bob. You're going to go home, and on TV, it's going to be a movie. What about Bob? Something about Bob. What was the name of that movie? What about Bob? Yeah, you know. He's going to put it in front of your face. This ball over here has nothing to do with the ball that did you wrong, but just the names enough to make you start thinking about that ball. Now you're mad. Now you're back in that circle again. You're going to get on Facebook. You're going to see something. You're going to get hacked off. You're going to get mad. You may not even see it on Facebook. One of your friends are going to see it, and they're going to screenshot it, and then they're going to text it to you. <laughs> Make sure you see it. That's how Satan works, I'm telling you. So what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You've got to get full of it. You've got to get full of it. You can't be full of two things. I'd say quit focusing on trying to not be mad and quit focusing on trying to not be angry and un unforgiveness and just focus 100% on getting filled up with the Lord and the things of God and shunning every appearance of evil. That's how I did it. And I didn't even know what I was doing. But I would go home. My life consisted of listening to the Word, listening to praise and worship music, praying. In other words, I just disconnected myself from worldly things altogether. I just started filling myself up, filling myself up, filling myself up, filling myself up. Then all of a sudden, the things that used to make me mad, they didn't even make me mad anymore. You know why? Because I'm so full of it. I'm so full of the love of God. I remember that was one of the first things that I said I want to do, my New Year's resolution. I said I want to be so full of the love of God that nobody or nothing can make me mad. I want to be ushy, squishy, full of the love of God. If somebody's evil to be and mean to me, I want to return it with kindness and return it with love because that's how you win souls. People have got to see the love of God in you. When they say you react just the same way they react, that's not going to draw them to God. You repay Evil with good. You overcome evil with good. That's what the Word of God tells us. So you just focus on, focus on you and your relationship with Christ and growing close to Him and close to Him and close to Him and as close as you can to Him and as getting as much of Him in you, as you can in you. And you're going to get full of it. You're going to get full of it. You know, that's going to push all the unforgiveness and all that stuff out if you do it. You can do a check. You can start getting mad about something and just stop. Hold up. Hold up with that car wash. Stop right here for a minute. How much time am I spending with the, with the Lord? Am I praying like I was? Or am I reading the Word like I was? Or am I doing things like I was? Well, He hasn't gone anywhere. Just go back to where you left Him. You'll find Him. That's all I got. That's what I'd focus on. Just staying full of it. 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 So ask your neighbor before you leave, are you full of it? You need to get full of it. See, the problem is we've been full of that other stuff. Because that's what it is. Not to spell it out for you, you all follow me? When somebody says something, somebody may say, well, they're just full of poo. <laughs> That's what that is. That's what that anger and bitterness and, and, and unforgiveness is. It's, it's that other stuff.
Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.